Welcome to the Freedom Chronicles. Definitely an antisocial type. Only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. Hi, perhaps you recognize me. It's your favorite president. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. We got a loudspeaker here, and when we go into battle, we play music very loud. With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Chronicles. I'm your host, Mike Ambassiani. Thank you for joining us. And we are, of course, broadcasting from the Brian Chapman State Farm bunker right here in southwest Florida. And like a good neighbor, Brian Chapman State Farm is there for all of the insurance needs that you have for your very own bunker. It's still hurricane season out there. Uh, even though a lot of these insurance companies don't seem to like uh, hurricane no. season in Florida. Mm -hmm. So give his office a call. They'll help you with uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Give his office a call at 941-625-9998 or visit the office at 2040 Tamiami Trail in Port Charlotte. We, of course, have Mr. Ken Lovejoy. But for the first time, and uh, we've been trying to get him on the show for a little while, ever since I was uh, at the Turning Point Action Conference there in Palm Beach, he is a seventh-generation Arizonan. He's the RNC National Committeeman. He is the COO of Turning Point Action and also the host of the new podcast, Swing State Update. It's Tyler Bowyer. Tyler, how are you, sir? Good, good to be with you guys. Good to be with you. Finally, we've been trying to do this for a long time, and it's uh, we, we we figured it out. So we're we're happy to be we here. Did. Yes, thank you. So obviously, you've done a lot, and you're involved with uh, Turning Point Action. That was a great conference. Got to see uh, President Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy and a bunch of bunch of other great speakers there. Tucker Carlson, I think, was a fantastic opener for uh, <laughs> for Trump. Uh, so kind of tell us how, because Turning Point Action is one of the newer uh, involvements, groups trying to help with the Republican Party and conservatism as a whole coming off of Turning Point USA. So what, what are you trying to achieve as the chief operating officer uh, with these events moving forward? Yeah, so I mean, so a lot of people are, are somewhat familiar with Turning Point USA. Uh, I, I ran as CEO of Turning Point USA for close to the past decade now, um, you know, with, with Charlie and and, and running the day-to-day -day and building that and growing that. And, and that's a 501c3 organization. And so what, what we often talk about with how the left builds its infrastructure, they have a ton of C3s. They have a ton of C4s. These are nonprofit organizations that exist, sometimes referred to as soft money because they're, all their donors are private. So when you talk about dark money, things like that, yeah. it really benefits C3s and C4s. And particularly that's usually talked about with C4s. And that's what Turning Point Action is. And there's a lot of uh, C3, C4 tandems in, in the world. Um, and oftentimes you'll hear the terminology be used of action. So you'll hear Heritage Foundation has Heritage Action. You have Planned Parenthood has Planned Parenthood Action. Uh, and so we, we realized um, over the course of building Turning Point, it's a, one of the largest grassroots C3s in America that's nonpartisan, that's nonpolitical, you know, that there just wasn't enough of that emphasis being put on uh, the C4 organizations with actual real boots on the ground field work. And a lot of C3s and C4s operate on the right, unfortunately, just in the think tank space. And we call ourselves, we're not, we, we often tell people we're not a think tank, we're a battle tank. Uh, we're focused mm -hmm. on actually putting, putting bodies out into the field, training them, uh, and then helping them along the way to the actual things that I think that we need to do to save America, uh, predominantly with putting more ballots in the box, uh, keeping an eye on election integrity, finding voter discrepancies, uh, building the field operation that needs to be permanent in these key target states. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we do at Turning Point Action every single day is we're building the grassroots army uh, that really has been, you know, relatively non-existent and in a permanent yeah. way for the Republican side, the conservative side, and, and trying to not only hold the party accountable, but to build all that simultaneous to that. So, how do you feel? Uh, uh, 
your success has been in the field? Are you, are, do you feel that you're making headway? Are you hearing from your folks out in the field that uh, people are being a little bit more responsive to the message? Well, one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves in is, is really just doing, it's not brainiac work, it's not rocket science, it's just trying to do the work that you know the Republican Party really should be doing, right? Which is the conservative movement should be doing which it starts with recruiting people out in the field to become precinct committee men, precinct captains, precinct chairs. Uh, this is the most important piece, uh, which is uh, really difficult to comprehend when you look at the Republican National Committee, of which I am a board member. I, I am the representative from the state of Arizona on the Republican National Committee. And I was horrified when I walked through the doors and realized that literally there's no emphasis at all put on supporting and building the grassroots and so you know the way that we've looked at this and our mantra has been is do the things that the party should be doing uh focus on the grassroots recruit the grassroots provide resources to the grassroots all the way up to uh doing what the party should be doing as well which is chasing ballots uh, identifying ballots um uh, that way we can also identify discrepancies uh make sure the voter rolls are clean but then in addition to that, make sure that low propensity or less likely voters actually turn in their ballots. Um, most places in America, most people don't realize this, we don't really have, we don't have an energy, enthusiasm, passion, or even uh, registration problem in most states. In most states, we have lots of enthusiasm, lots of passion. Uh, we just aren't getting more ballots turned in than the other side because the other side is taking total advantage of uh, vulnerable people, low propensity well, people. This is the Republican. ballots, and you aren't. Yeah, the Republicans want well, to play by the rules. And the Democrats <laughs> change the rules. Well, it's it's more than rules. It actually dips into the the conversation about ethics, which is that ethically, uh, voting in America has always been uh, based off of your own agency. And Steve Bannon talks about agency a lot lately, especially. Uh, but your your freedom, your freedom of choice with, with, with you know, America is a beautiful place because we're not forced to vote. We're not forced to pick our people. You can decide if you want to sit at home and be like, I'm not I'm going to be non-participatory in this process. We don't support that. We, we think that that obviously everyone that's involved knows that that's not a great a great policy to have a great nation. But that's been the way it's been done. And so there's no force. There's no knife. There's no game planking people to vote. And so that's where the Democrats have really taken advantage of this mail-in balloting system and what they call motor voter in most of these states is by forcibly creating these votes that are out in the public, they can now take advantage of these paper ballots. They can take advantage of the individuals. They can take advantage of these people who have, you know, as Rush Limbaugh referred to them as low information voters, you know, people who really have not a ton of intent to vote because they don't have a ton of passion. So when that happens, it's the same way with sales. When you're not passionate about something and something's so cheap and, and so easy to do, oftentimes people will just do it just to get those, those salespeople out of their face. And so it's really simple. The left has figured out if we can put, if we can bother people, if we can annoy people, if we can put uh, p uh, salespeople in these people's faces with something that's so easy to do and they don't care about, then they're likely to extract tons of ballots. And that's what they that's exactly what they've done over the last three election cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. With, with the conference, I, I, this was the first conference like that that I've been to. I know it was the first uh, Turning Point Action Conference. And I didn't know what to expect going into it. I mean, I know how Republicans operate, especially the what has become the Republican establishment. And I didn't know what the topics were going to be. And I, I thought to myself, are they are you guys going to talk about the election integrity? And I was shocked and, and happily surprised that there was so much discussion about it and that there were so many young people. I mean, I'm 26 and just walking into the place, I felt old because all these kids from uh, colleges and high schools are coming around. And then, you know, it evened out with the population of Florida that was there, too. Um, but it is nice <laughs> to see that that conversation is being had about election integrity. Mm -hmm. But how does the fight continue? You talk about grassroots and, and talk about your podcast too, the swing state update that you're doing. How can the word spread more to the right people in these states? I mean, Arizona being one of them to help it. 
with the election integrity when it seems that the Republican establishment just wants to fight, you know, the DeSantis Trump fight, the Christie of a vague fight that you see in the debate. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the real problem is that, you know, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but the, the Republican establishment I refer to as the national Republican apparatus is not nimble. So you have really two enemies within our own ranks right now. You have the national Republican apparatus, which are the technocrats who want to control the party. And then you have uh, really this, this entire other element of it, which are really the, the doers in the, in the you know, established party, which is like the chamber of consultant types, which is they're related and they work together and they do all this, but the, I refer to them as the chamber of consultants because it's really the people who make their living off of the technocrats. And so um, this, this includes the chamber, right? They, they, have no, they have no honor, no support, no, um, uh, they have no loyalty whatsoever to the Republican Party. They have no loyalty, certainly, to you know, actual conservatives. They just want to control and make a buck. And those are, the, those are your two categories. And we know that, but we, we very, very rarely are able to decipher the who's who in those situations. And so mm-hmm. when I go into any scenario, I'm like, okay, is this person that I'm working with a technocrat and is self-indulgent based off of that? Or are they part of the chamber of commerce, uh, you know, chamber of consultant industry that can be moved somewhat because they're, they're not necessarily seeking power, they're seeking wealth and, and survival. And, and both have to go. So both have to go. And so you look at the states that we're in right now, those are slow moving ships. Those are massive, massive infrastructures that have been built on our side that are poor infrastructure, that's poor infrastructure that has existed for now over 40 years. The left on the other side figured this out about 20 years ago and they said, we're going to eliminate as much of this as we possibly can and we're going to become more nimble and we're going to figure out how to use dark money for our own benefit. We're going to figure out how to use uh, resources that um, the, the Republicans at the time had a lot more of, you know, with the Cokes and with everything else. We're going to figure out how to make this more impactful, more effective. And the reality is, is that how this has worked is that the map, as the map changes, as it does every five to 10 years for president, for Senate, for everything else, you know, now Florida and Ohio are less critical than they were 20 years ago. Now, Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia are now all at play. And they didn't realize that until 2016, right? They didn't realize how close Georgia and Arizona really were, and they didn't realize how vulnerable Michigan and Wisconsin were, right? And so that changed the map. And so their ability to move and apply resources to those states, both in a prescriptive way and also in a reactive way, but let's focus on the prescriptive way first, is they were able to do things quickly there in these states that they realized after 2016 were totally vulnerable, on both sides of the coin. And so what does that mean? They were able to prescribe millions and not tens of millions of dollars to go into these states to start manipulating election code right away. Well, we had our pants around our ankles and you know, recovering from you know, a really wonderful party night in 2016, or 2000, yeah, in 2016, right? Like we were like the, the drunk guy at, after the concert, you know, that can't find his way out of the porta potty kind of in 2016 <laughs> and and they were the ones that left the concert early um you know and figuring out these things and getting ahead of us the very next day and that's yeah. really the story of, of what's happened is that we had we did we have not uh we did not look at that vulnerability in 2016 the same way that they did and they had much more preparation to be nimble and, and move and so that's why you've seen the last, you know, particularly the last two, last three election cycles, uh, tons more resources being poured into Arizona and Georgia and, and Wisconsin and, and Michigan on the left. And our side has done virtually nothing because we're still, we're still, you know, asleep in the porta potty. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona in particular. <laughs> Where in Arizona are you? 
Yeah, I'm in the Phoenix metropolitan area, so I I, I oh, was the chairman. Oh, where at? Uh, in, in Mesa, he owns a, a bicycle shop out there. Yeah, I was just out oh, in Arizona. Wonderful. Actually, yeah. I have a cousin who lives in the Prescott Valley there. Yeah, we. Yeah, there. I, I live. <laughs> I live. I live in Mesa. I live in Mesa. And so ten years oh, okay. ago, when I was my. When I was Mike's age, 10 years ago, I became county chair of Maricopa County. And it was oh, kind cool. of, uh, I fell into it, um, mainly because I started getting involved at the grassroots level. I became a precinct committee man. I became a local, what you would call a, uh, a central committee chair for my city. And we won every election that we possibly could. And everyone was like, you got to run for county chair. And this is 10 years ago. So this is prior to a lot of these manipulation schemes starting to hit Arizona. Because this is before the yeah. left realized that they could win Arizona in some major way, and so um, and so I became chair. I, we actually ended up hosting Trump. What, what became the first Trump rally? So I became the first speaker at the first Trump rally because I literally that's couldn't awesome. get anyone to speak. I couldn't get anyone to do it, and and that's <laughs> when people started realizing a lot of the change. And yeah, and you know, Maricopa County is really unique because you have four million plus people in, in one county. It's easy to, it, and this is, again, this is how the Democrats and the left look at it, right? They can go into a big metropolitan county, a big metropolitan area, and there's so many votes that are coming in, and it's so overwhelming that changing election code and manipulating election code under the guise of making things easier uh, allows them to manipulate. We know this, right? We, we beat this mm -hmm. like a dead horse. We know this is going on. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is at its core the reason why Thomas Jefferson was so right, which is, a government that is local and near you uh, allows you to be able to, just, to dismantle it quickly. You know, if you have a if you have a this overarching massive government structure, you're never going to be able to take it apart. You're never going to be able to undo it. And and he warned of that. That's why he warned of the federal government. That's why he wanted a a federal government that turned over every 17 years or something. So, yeah, this yeah. is and this is. Would include the bureaucracy as well, because it seems like the bureau, the bureaucrats, are are really the the biggest issues. We could have term limits all day long, but these guys are insidious and they're deep inside. Yeah, and you and well, I mean, you said the word multiple times. Local, local is very important, and, and that's the you know biggest phrase on this show that we have. We have it on a T-shirt. Get loud locally. Uh, people fail to realize just how much power they have on the local level as well. Yeah, and, and they, I mean, this is the reason why these bigger entities are so bad, right? This is why the university system, the academia, uh, industrial complex, as I call it, and the military industrial complex is so bad. This is why these, some of these school districts are so bad that are so big. And the same thing goes with county government, city government that's too big. Is is It was never intended when, when the framers came to America, it was never intended that we would have such large municipalities and in fact they were very opposed to the the concept of, of large municipal government uh that that would grow beyond the scope of the reach of the citizen because this was this was the problem that existed effectively in london this was the problem that existed all across, all across europe this was this is why everybody came and they were like i just want land and i want you to leave me the f alone and i want to be able to do whatever yeah. i want and i want to be able to protect it I mean, this is, and, and there's a, a natural American spirit that exists there. Uh, we're going to have to have a renaissance, especially the conservative movement, of, of actually instituting policies that revitalize that same spirit of, of, uh, of actually, you know, controlling and managing your own land and, and property and, and really uh, shrinking the size of cities and lowering the size of cities. And, and height restrictions, because this is this is the only way I think that we avoid a complete Soviet style takeover where there's a lot of people stacked on top of each other that make it easy for the left to control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what they want. The 15 minute cities, you know, you will own nothing. You'll be happy. You no meat, no, no dairy, no personal car, you know, ride the bus. That's well, all they can't give you meat no, and no dairy gas. because they got to yeah. No gas hey, uh, stove. None of those yeah, things. Exactly. Right? So. As an aside, you're in Arizona. Shouldn't you be wearing a Diamondbacks hat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tampa Bay Rays there. 
So, so I, I am a D-backs fan uh, through and through. I think the ownership could be a little bit better. But this is – someone gave this to me because it's my initials, because of uh, Tyler Boyer. Oh, yeah. oh, well, okay. There you go. There we go. And the American flag, <laughs> so I, I like I that. I wear it as my – this is my this is my monogram hat of you know. My, yeah, my okay, shoes. not a problem. Very good. <laughs> it, it makes up for it considering I'm a Yankees fan, so it, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a Tampa. I'm not a Tampa Bay, not a Tampa Bay fan. So. Okay. All right. So uh, we're gonna take a, our break and do a little music. Uh, hang out with us, Tyler, and we'll have some more. We'll get into our Patriot and Trade of the Week. And folks, if you're enjoying this show, let us know. Hit that like button. Drop a comment down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the Freedom Chronicles YouTube channel. It helps us out. And then take it over to Rumble because YouTube is not gonna like us after a little while. And uh, subscribe. I'll say something. Yeah, more, more than likely. It's always Lovejoy says something. So uh, on Rumble, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Comment down below share it with your friends and right next to the subscribe button is a little red button that says join you can join the freedom chronicles locals community it helps us out it's just five bucks a month and use promo code freedom cow you get five you get one month free and then uh go you can support the show and also support another small business get get your mugshot shirt have you gotten now tyler do you have a mugshot shirt yet you need i do I'm not sure you have a trump I do not. no I, I actually don't, but I have uh, many of my family members who do, and I, I need I need my mugshot shirt. So uh, getting <laughs> it the, from you guys would be yep. great. Yeah. Right. So you can pick up a Freedom Chronicles mugshot shirt. Get loud locally. Be that conversation starter. Use that QR code right there. Use the link down in the description. Get loud locally with Freedom Cow. Get a Freedom Cow shirt. Get a uh, JFK, if not us who, if not now when, and a Ronald Reagan uh, evil be unafraid. I forget it, but it's on the it's on you the know, post. You, I, know, you know the thing. You know the thing, the thing. on the shirt, and it helps support uh, Petra Armstrong, Mike Armstrong's wife. It, go, it helps a small business making these shirts, so that's how you can help us out as well. Check this out—a little older video from uh, my band playing Crossroads. <laughs> So bad. 
sinking down There you go, a little crossroads. So that will bring us to our Patriot and Trader of the Week. So, Tyler, you are a guest. Do you have a Patriot of the Week? Yeah, you know, right now, uh, the Patriot of the Week that I've got are the wonderful Patriots that are in Wisconsin who are fighting uh, to convince everyone to uh, impeach Janet. So the I don't know if you've been following this, but probably one of the most critical things to save in the country is to impeach the new Supreme Court justice that just got elected because she ran on the fact that she wants to change the maps, um, you know, which should, should disqualify her from having any kind of thing in that. Exactly. And you've got uh, you've got wonderful people like. Uh, like uh, uh, Mike Gableman, who's in Wisconsin, who was a former Supreme Court justice, who has been, you know, at, at his own, you know, at his own demise to a certain extent here, of like people attacking him and personally coming after him, of telling people that he is, you know, of, of actually spreading the truth of what's going on with the Supreme Court, and so. Yeah, those, those patriots that we have in Wisconsin right now that are fighting for that, I hope the Republican Party will get on board and actually have some intestinal fortitude to make it happen. <laughs> yes, that would be nice. Uh, yeah. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we've know, got other impeachment stories we can get to in a few minutes here. But young they, and we continue to pray. They also uh, lack the intestinal fortitude. Mm. Uh, Ken, who is your patriot of the week? Uh, Oliver Anthony. Hey, yeah. You know, I, I got to respect the guy. You know, he blasts out of nowhere I know. with uh, uh, Rich Man North of Richmond. He's had uh, a couple other songs. Uh, 90-some Chevy is a, a great song out there, too. But he started to do uh, some touring around, but he wants to keep his ticket prices low, right in the $25 range. And he was going right. to be doing a, a, a concert recently and didn't communicate well enough with his booker. And the tickets were upwards of 100 bucks to get in, 200 for a meet and greet. And he canceled the show. Yeah. And, yeah. Good for him. Integrity. And he's got integrity. Yeah. Keeping the ticket prices low. That's my biggest. I mean, you know, come on. I'm an old fart. I can remember seeing. I know, paid $7. I'm telling you what. Roadmaster Pat Travers and Blue Oyster called for eight fifty. So, yeah. you know, come on. Uh, so I uh, I can respect what he does. I, uh, uh, guy looks like he's pretty solid and he's my patriot of the week. Yes. Very good going to be hard for him to get that $40,000 a gig if, he, if he's <laughs> no only doubt. charging 25 bucks a head. Well, more but, people. Hey, whatever. Yeah, more people. Bigger venues. Uh, of course. Um, my Patriot, of course, um, two days ago was the anniversary of 9-11. We have a couple pictures of that. But uh, pictures seven and eight, Ben, is my Patriot, and his name is Rick Rescorla. And 22 years ago on 9-11, Rick disobeyed orders and saved 2,700 lives. Uh, Rick was the head of security for Morgan Stanley in the South Tower of the World Trade Center, and he warned that the tower's basements were vulnerable to attack. His warnings fell on deaf ears. Then when the 1993 attack happened, and people started listening to him. After that attack, Rick implemented regular evacuation drills using his megaphone that you saw in the one picture there to direct thousands of employees out of their offices, down the stairwells and out of the building to safety. Uh, born in Cornwall, Rick would sing Welsh and Cornish songs from his megaphone as he directed the employees out of the building. And he would routinely tell all of the employees in an emergency, no matter what chaos is happening around you, no matter what anyone tells you, leave your offices, go down the stairwells and leave the building. Rick told his wife, Susan, that you saw in the second picture there, that he suspected another attack on the World Trade Center would happen this time by air and 22 22 years ago just two days ago an anniversary on september 11 2001 that attack happened and when the first plane hit the north tower the port authority announced over the south tower speaker system quote please do not leave the building this area is secure and rick ignored them he said quote the done the dumb sons of bitches told me not to evacuate he said to his best friend dan 
Quote, they said, it's just building one. I told him I'm getting the people the F out of here. So Rick picked up his megaphone and he had done as he had done so many times before, told the employees not to listen to the orders and directed them out of the building. His Cornish songs helped keep their nerves calm as they evacuated even after the second plane hit their tower. Once he had successfully evacuated his employees, Rick went back to look for survivors. But first he called his wife, Susan, and he told her, stop crying. I have to get these people out safely. If something should happen to me, I want you to know I've never been happier. You made my life. Rick rushed back to the South Tower, and that was the last time anyone saw him alive. All but six of the more than 2,700 Morgan Stanley employees survived. Had they obeyed the Port Authority, they all would have been dead. Thankfully, they listened to Rick instead. And that's a true patriot going back into the fire and leading people to safety. And it's important people never forget. And that goes into the get loud locally part, folks, too, of don't listen to what they're saying. Look with your eyes. Listen with your ears. Do the right thing. And when you need to get out, get out and be loud about it and help others. It's important, and we have to remember. I, I over the years, obviously, I was I was four years old when uh, 9/11 happened. But you learn about it, you understand. My mom knew a lot of people that worked in that building that passed away. I lived in New York at the time, and every year, especially in the past few years, I, you just see less and less about it. And for the first time ever, Joe Biden is a president who was not there for the remembrance in new york City. oh no no he, he was there day day after the day after it, oh yeah oh boy he was right there uh-huh. even though he was that was a lie he, he was, was giving a speech Senate floor. on the floor of the yeah. senate then yeah. the, the c-span video i guess he didn't think that c-span was recording back then yeah but anyway it's something ne- never forget is on purpose folks never forget it's important tyler who is your trader of the week so I, I'm going. This is a little bit of uh, an edgy trader position. So the news just came out today, which we've been expecting for weeks, that Mitt Romney is not running for re-election. Oh, uh, that's know, right. Maxi Pad so, going by. So, so you would think that my trader of the week would be Mitt Romney, and he might. He might still. He still might be the biggest trader in the room, but. A guy named Brad Wilson is his handpicked successor. So he's the Speaker of the House really? in Utah. Uh, he had put his hat in the ring, you know, prior to Mitt Romney stepping down as as a preparation to make it look like they're somewhat disconnected, but they're not. Um, he is the guy that Romney is going to quietly back in the background, who is equally as bad as Mitt Romney, in my opinion, and and should not be the person that is supported by the state of Utah. And so is it's important else for conservatives. There, there, right now there's an, uh, an opponent. He's a mayor out of Salt Lake who is oppositional to Mitt Romney. His name is Mayor Trent Staggs. Um, he is someone that I, I am supporting. I am, they're hearing whispers that there could be some other people, you know, deciding to get in that may be conservative, but there's not very many. And so uh, right now, Trent Staggs is the is the conservative that's in the race uh, against now what's seemingly Brad Wilson, who is going to be the uh, quietly supported because they know how unpopular Mitt Romney is, the quietly supported by Mitt and gang uh, in the background. So conservatives need so to know. How they need savvy. To be that. How savvy is are are the uh, conservatives in Utah? They are they picking up on this? Do they know this guy? Are they going to be able to get the word out that this guy is no better than Mitt? So the big problem in many communities, and this is a, a particular problem in Utah, is herd mentality, and this typically exists in big religious communities. So this happens with the evangelicals. This happens in the Jewish community uh, very often. This also happens in the Mormon LDS community. And so the LDS community, which, uh, you know, in, in, in total transparency, I'm LDS from Arizona. Uh, I'm like the only Mormon on planet Earth that doesn't have family in Utah. But, you know, <laughs> I, I understand I understand this 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 cult of personality type thing before. And so this is where, you know, a lot of people, are, they're just always super stoked to have someone that's of their faith uh, running. And so oftentimes they'll just vote for whoever is the Mormon guy, if you're Mormon. 
And this is kind of the same thing with pastors and evangelicals and, and members of the Jewish community is, is in the, on the Democrat side oftentimes is that they'll just do that. And so uh, that's not good enough. That, that's not good enough. A lot of Mormons are figuring this out the same way evangelicals figured it out, that there's a lot of lies told about Trump. There's a lot of lies told about a lot of conservatives. Um, they tried to take out Mike Lee with Evan McMullen. So this was an attempt that was made. And so the good news is that was unsuccessful in Utah. The good news is that a lot of Mormons have figured out they've been lied to. Now the question is, is are they going to be able to, are they going to get tricked one last time here? And uh, I hope not. I hope they don't because we went through the same thing when Jeff Flake stepped down um, in a very similar way because he realized the polling was so upside down for him. And they inserted Martha McSally, which was a total disaster. She was, um, you know, uh, just the moderate establishment, John McCain pick, uh, who was just totally unprepared to run for U.S. Senate. And she just wasn't liked by the grassroots at all, which was the majority of the party. And so that's that, that it's a really important uh, lesson to be learned is that we really need to be uh, taking taking lessons from the left and, you know, listening to our grassroots, listening to the base and picking base candidates and then helping figure out how to get them across the finish line. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're seeing it more and more. Those those better candidates are coming, especially. And that's why when you hear, oh, we need somebody like Byron Donalds for for vice president. It's like I, I like Byron where he is, you know, holding people's feet to the fire in Congress. That That's where it's important. And, and people like Matt Gates and and those congressmen and women who are put putting those other establishment Republicans feet to the fire. It's important. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally agree. So, so that's my that's my uh, that's my that's my guy of the week is no Brad Wilson get to know his name he is he yeah. is the, the behind the scenes the trader that's working with Mitt Romney um, and so he's synonymous with Mitt Romney if you think Mitt's a trader so and we do yeah and we do yes <laughs> that is true uh, but yeah and that that shows like it's it goes it, it's always two or three people deep like whoever you think the figurehead is there's there's the three people behind them ready to go and who are also leading that person we'll get to fetterman don't worry uh, so uh ken who is your trader of the week well you know it this individual just shows the how low the level of depravity that the uh, uh, Democrats will sink to and yet still cover for. Uh, and that would be Susanna Gibson running for uh, the, uh, uh, the position, a Democrat position in Virginia for the, uh, gin, for the Virginia House. Yeah. And her and her husband, in part of her campaign fundraising, made uh, uh went online to a website and would do online sex live <laughs> for tips <laughs> uh, she's supposedly like she's a, misunderstood Ken. she's supposedly like a nurse practitioner <laughs> and and i i must say in all in all honesty here the, for a democrat she's kind of pretty yeah which well, AOC very would look good if it wasn't for the eyes. Yeah, you that's know, true. It's the eyes. But anyway, just, uh, just she's doing this. The The New York Times tries to cover for it by saying she's somehow a victim because uh, some uh, the GOP is leaking a sex tape. This wasn't just a sex tape, and it yeah. wasn't leaked. This right. was online. Yeah. They, it, you know, when you have sex on the World Wide Web, you're essentially, essentially having sex in public. Right. <laughs> and this is what she did for money uh, up until last year. She was doing it and uh, she's running as a Democrat yeah. in Virginia yeah. and doesn't think anything of it. Oh, of course like this not. is just this is just completely normal. normal. What do you what do you guys? And, and so when she's starting to feel the heat, the Times is covering for yes. and trying to make her be the victim. And it's all about the GOP leaking their private sex tape. How yeah. dare they? Uh, so that's my traitor. Ay, ay, ay. Um, my uh, it's hard to top that trader, honestly. Thank you. Um, that was a good one. My my trader of the week, I got to give it to the uh, New Mexico governor. Oh, well, I figured someone would do that. Yeah. That's why we went with Susanna here. Uh, Michelle Grisham out there in New Mexico. And do they now, Tyler, uh, answer this for me. Do they really just not care about the Constitution at all? Do they, she does do, not. She does not. That's obvious. Uh, trying, she seems to be alone thus far. 
thus far because a, a sheriff in New Mexico says that they will not enforce the emergency order signed by the governor. And this is the executive order banning open or concealed carry of firearms in Albuquerque and uh, uh, Bernalillo County there. But it's only for a, a short period of time. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, until they start taking the guns away anyway. And the well, criminals, no matter what, the criminals will always have the guns. And they failed to uh, talk about the errors in FBI reports show that the agency has been undercounting active shooter incidents yeah, yeah. stopped by armed civilians. Uh, according to an FBI report over the period from 2014 through 2022, armed citizens stopped only 4.6% of active shooters incidents however no. new analysis from the crime prevention research center shows that figure is actually 35.7 percent so they're lying to people on purpose well again it goes beyond that though mm -hmm. i mean uh, you, you, she is wants to she says that the constitution and her oath is not absolute get the hell out <laughs> Yeah. Leave. Goodbye. Yeah. And I, I, I'm very thankful that you've got the state police of New Mexico said we're not enforcing it. Good. The state attorney general says that he will not represent her mm -hmm. in the several lawsuits that are coming because his oath and the Constitution is a little more important than her BS that's going yeah. on. And just like every other citizen there in New Mexico should understand what's written on my Ted Nugent signed hat, I will not comply and <laughs> that's exactly the way that people should act i mean tyler when you see these type of things how do you want uh turning point action to kind of get people involved to help fight against these i mean that's true tyrannical leadership from a governor of a state yeah and this is what's going to be happening more and more right what we're seeing yeah. what you're seeing is uh a, i think down the line it's downstream of the absolute disruption that we're seeing the democrats are taking advantage of because they're becoming more and more uh gutsy right so this is this is in the same vein as uh -huh. indicting trump for doing basically mm -hmm. for doing nothing right for for speech um and indicting people for speech and throwing people in jail for speech this is this is uh this is autocracy right this is uh, an, an ind individual taking and, and if nobody holds them in check which is what everyone's state constitution um, has those elements of it. If no one does it, I mean, this, these are test points. They're testing the Americans, uh, the American what people's will. What can they will get away with? Break mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this is just yeah, a test. You know, there's no better place to creating the chaos. There's no better place to test this than places like New Mexico, right? So you look at this and you start going, oh, okay, like where are some places where it really, it's not going to make a massive difference if, if we uh, if we if we poke and prod, and this is the same thing with like how they implemented, uh, you know, COVID and restrictions and things like that, right? Which is this this is all just tests on the American public to see what like we're willing to put up with, and so everybody's got to go head to it and say we got to fight back harder than we've ever fought before. This should be the reason why we have uh, again. The, you take the Wisconsin. This is the reason why we should have absolutely no qualms whatsoever of removing and impeaching that the Supreme Court justice there is because if you do mm -hmm. not do those things, they are going, they're, they're telling you straight to your face, keep doing you better, yep. and you better believe them when they tell you that they are going to take away all your rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're already trying. And that, that leads in perfect to the conversation of, and we'll wrap it up because we're running out of time here, but of the whole Kevin McCarthy thing. Uh, you know, an honorable mention to the to the trader front here is it, they're having oh House Republicans have uncovered serious incredible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Therefore, uh, it warrants further investigation by the House of Representatives. Just do the impeachment. They impeached oh, Trump twice no, no, over no. nothing. No, they won't do it. But they won't do it because no. it's weak. They're weak. They're weak. Mountains of evidence, mountains of actual evidence, hard evidence, testimony, whistleblowers. They got it all. They got more than enough that in yes. any normal time in America, Joe would already have resigned in disgrace. Yeah. Yet here we are. And there's McCarthy with his dirty thumbs still up his butt. So, Tyler, will somebody uh, do a motion to vacate? 
I mean, that's that's what Matt is saying. You know, that's what Matt has, has said. And there's a number. I, I mean, I do believe that we have the the enough members of the Freedom Caucus who actually have, you know, the the gonads to make this happen. You know, but I mean, this is this is the problem though it's like it shouldn't be here right we should be at the point where it's like you know this this was the warning sign ahead of the mccarthy thing which is like mccarthy had every ability to bring all these people in he just didn't believe that they would actually hold them to the whatever the 14 votes or whatever it was on the house yep. floor to become yep. speaker he, he didn't that. So, stroking his head on the couch don't worry they'll never really do it kevin right Right, right, right. Like just the whispering sweet nothings into his ear and to his <laughs> I've been I've been I've been in Frank's house before. It's a it's a strange place. It's like uh, it's a very <laughs> the very it's a very weird place. It's like Pee Wee Herman's fun house, you know, rest in peace, Pee Wee. Uh, so uh so oh, so you know, you look at you look at this situation, it's like we have um, you know, just one opportunity in front of us right now to actually hold these people accountable, hold the establishment accountable. Mitch, or, or not Mitch McCall, Kevin McCarthy had every opportunity to bring the Freedom Caucus members in, hear them out, negotiate all this, so it ended up with just one vote and they would have figured it out. Now, you know, they, they negotiated, they figured all this out, he agreed to things, and now he doesn't believe that they're actually gonna vacate. They're, they're gonna, you know, introduce the motion to vacate and they're gonna actually hold them accountable. And so they must, they have to do the same thing that they did on the initial vote again. And it sucks mm -hmm. that we have to do this, but like, it's like, it's like having a child that just disrespects you, you know, or, you know, an employee. Well, that it's just, disrespects you have you. to beat the establishment into doing the their job. And that's the saddest thing. Yeah. And, and, and this is where I always talk about party discipline, right? So most of these things could actually be handled by the party if the party was functioning at a high level. So if you ask me, like, what what could the Republican Party be doing right now? Well, almost everything that you could dream of that you want the government to actually do, that you want Congress to actually do, when you control it, you could actually force to the party if we actually had any kind of discipline within the party. Everything. I mean, this includes, you know, constant conversation with Kevin McCarthy, using the party as like a, a common ground to have these debates and conversations behind closed doors. But nobody does that, right? And so we just are like, oh, you know, Congress will handle it. The Freedom Caucus will handle it. Like, so my congressman will handle it. I trust him. And and that hasn't worked, right? And and so we have to well, we have to create some Congress. kind of method for party discipline, right? We have to create a a a place, you know, an octagon where everyone comes in, there's rules, but you know, we fight it, we close the door, we fight it out, we figure it out, we force the party to do what it, it needs to do uh, in order for us to win. And, if only and that, it was, and that yeah. includes, by the yeah. way, term limits. It does include term limits. Term limits. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi wants to run again as an 83-year-old. And, of course, uh, picture number 20, please, Ben. Uh, they, they uncover the alien in Mexico, but D.C. Drano had the perfect tweet. Mexico has revealed a never-before-seen picture of the average U.S. senator. That does look like Feinstein. It, it, uh, with a little bit of Mitch thrown yeah, in. Yeah, that's but it, that's Mitch McConnell at the podium next oh, week when okay. he, when he, yeah, when he stops true. talking again. Because Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Tyler? Why, you know, Mitch doesn't have to, uh, though I'd like him to retire, he obviously needs needs to uh in lieu of that can't they just dump his minority leader and give it to thune thune seems to be the douche that uh there is all tuned up ready to replace him anyway why not just get that out of the way now so we have someone at least you know sentient in the position i mean doesn't that tell you everything about what's wrong with <laughs> what's going yeah. on right like you would think the you know the smart move for the establishment would be is like okay well we should at least have someone that can talk you know with someone that can like <laughs> he's not gonna lock up you know? we, can, we, we, we need to have someone that can at least continue tricking people you know that we're doing <laughs> yeah. the thing that we say we're doing uh, mm. you know and, and they're not even capable of doing that that's how that's how grossly neglected and undisciplined the party is right now you know, that, that's one of my biggest complaints about Rana, 
McDaniel, uh, yeah, Romney McDaniel, who's the, the chair of the RNC and why I didn't support her reelection in any kind of capacity, because I believe it's the role of the RNC chair to have to go into these people and say, look, you're out, bud. Like you're out. Like I'm the mm -hmm. chair of the party. The grassroots, the party says you're out. And so you're out. Except she's yeah. so she's so scared of that because she's operably a, you know, way down the line, you know, basically a function of them versus the opposite, which is a accountability. Yeah, I mean, because the donor, yeah, I'm so scared of what's going to happen with the donors. Like, dude, you don't even have donors, all right? Like, like <laughs> you know, the yeah. donors, the future of the party are, are people that are going to believe in you. And the only way that they can believe in you is if you can go tell the guy that can't speak that he's done, right? Like, that should be like, you know, level one here, you know? So yeah. that's where well, we're I've at. said it from the beginning. All of these congressmen and senators all believe they hold more power than the president because they've seen presidents come and go, but they are still there. Tyler, uh, we're we got to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Hopefully uh, we can get you on again uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Good luck in what you're doing out there. Keep it up. Thanks, guys. You too. God bless. Thank you, folks. Uh, make sure you go check out Swing State Update, Tyler's podcast. Go follow him on Twitter at Tyler Boyer, B-O-W-Y-E-R. Thank you for watching. Greatly appreciate it. Go get yourself a shirt. Use, use the get link down shirt. there. And evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. There's your Ronald Reagan quote. Okay. Remember it. I will not comply. From the bunker. Now night, he everybody. remembers it. Now he remembers it. You're watching Conservative Television of America, working hard to stick socialism where the sun don't shine.